to use my glasses to read it. It kind of gives my eyes a break. Yeah, praise God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And pretty soon we're going to get a PowerPoint up that you won't even need me here. That would be wonderful. Hallelujah. Just Yeah. Yeah, a little hologram. Okay. There's a little echoey, so let's fix that. Praise the Lord. Good, good. Uh, amen. I think I'm going to read a few scriptures to lay a groundwork so I can go back to them this morning. I feel the word that uh, as Aaron prayed there, was it Aaron or Pat? One of them, but they both were, were very good. However, I had an opportunity to have my mind refreshed on this. The Bible lets us know very clearly that we're not supposed to be just hearers of the Word only and agreeers. It's very easy to agree with something and still not do it. The Bible says that because we begin to deceive ourselves. It's only through practice and, and judging our growth in that practice that we can tell if there is increase in our life. See, I might say, well, you know, I know how to lose weight and I know how to get into shape. You lift this and you do this, but it doesn't help me one little bit. But if I start to do that, how can I tell that it's working? Well, I see effects in my real life. Now, many times we have a great disconnect, and what that causes to happen in our life is our hope grows dim. Because like, oh, that didn't happen, that didn't happen, that didn't happen. I know the Bible says this, but it doesn't happen. Well, many times it doesn't happen or it doesn't appear to happen, because first off, we're looking at something else. See, like, I think Pat gave the word this morning that we need to start agreeing with the Lord. See, not Him agreeing with us. Not Him making the circumstances, oh, now I believe. No, blessed are they who don't see, but yet believe. We know that He is better than life, and there is a truth that it goes past our understanding. But we are here to practice God's Word. Now, see, that's all, oh, yes, yes, yes. Now, Jesus talks about that in Matthew, I believe it's chapter 7, and again touches Auden and James, but I'm not going to go on to this, I just want to give you a quick foundation. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Now, this is, this is one of the great lacks, catastrophes, downfalls in our life, is that we do not recognize when the Word comes to us. Because many times it comes in a form that is not exactly like, oh, King James. See, now, my, I'll give you a little story. Do you like these little stories? I like these little stories. My father, as I came to realize, was a genius. Never knew that before because his life sure did not look like it. You would look at this man, you would think he just couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time, uh, not very good on the manner, uh, aspect of manners, politenesses, or dealing with people. But in his field, I guess he was a genius. I mean, people wanted they, they sent him all over the United States to do these things. And they, they, he must have been a genius, because no one would have put up with him otherwise. Uh, just unbelievable. And, um, but he was especially in the area of electronics. This was, again, when the space program was very young. Not, you know, he was used to... He was used to quality control things that were going to take people into space. This man. And now, I never knew these things, because it just, it just, first of all, he would have told me we wouldn't have believed it. This is, you know, anyway, I won't get too far on that. But he was a, a, in the area of electronics, and he knew electronics like the back of his hand. And so he's a ham operator. Now, again, ham radio was, you need a little Morse code. You, had to, you used to have to get a license to become a ham operator. Now, he had a great knack for this, but I didn't have a knack for it. I still don't have a knack for electricity. And so, I wanted to become a ham operator. My dad said, oh, let's do that, because it always sounded fun. It looked great. You could wear a T-shirt and wear long underwear and sit up nights and do all kinds of stuff and talk to people in different languages. So, I thought that would be neat. But uh, anyway, I didn't realize you had to take a test. So, I studied the electronics test. But the problem was the test did not exactly ask me how it, the book taught me it. Okay? So I memorized, but because I didn't really know it, I failed the test, even though I knew it. Because later they said, you know that. What about, oh yes, that's that. But I never really came to have a relationship with it. I only memorized it because I got to pass the test. But I never came to know the nature of it. 
Are you understanding that? And I think many times we see the Word, we go, yes, that's true, yes, that's true. But when it happens in life, we go, man, that's just not God. I just don't see that at all. So, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. Now, the rest of the story is that waves come, the floods come, but the man who builds his house upon the rock, the wise man, his house will stand. Now, what, what is the quality of the wise man? Now, don't quickly answer. There's a, there's a wise man and a foolish man. There's one difference that Jesus says separates them. Does anybody know what that is? Yes. The difference is one does it and one does not do it. One might even want to do it. One might think he's doing it. But one does it and one does not do it. Now, this is, this is the great... Oh, well, that's pretty simple. The Word of God is very simple. But very difficult for many of us to practice. Because it's a spiritual book that actually comes against my self-centered life. Okay. Then in James, it talks about they that are doers of the work shall be blessed in all that they do. Now, we, we talked about last week, I'm thinking about this in a greater and greater way, especially on some of the scriptures we're going to read. The great competitor or the great enemy of serving God and actually becoming a disciple and, ha- and being practices of the Word of God is not evil. It's not like, oh, evil. It's our own life. And that's why Jesus continually, more so than comes against the devil and comes against this, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. The address is you must hate your life. Because there is a competitor, since sin has come into our life, our natural life is an enemy against God, and its natural desires always are seeking contrary to to practicing the Word of God. So if we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, there needs to come over and over a, a, a reassurance or a sturdying of hating my life and loving Him more than my life. Now again, we all understand that, but when things pop up, boy, that tree does look pretty good. You know, I think, and I begin to think in a rational manner, instead of by what God says, I live my own life. And this is going to be a continual battle until we come to a place saying, I will practice God's Word no matter what I think, feel. I have given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I must then sacrifice my life and realize as a competitor in me that I want to do what I want to do. Now, it usually starts in small things. Now, I was thinking about this. You know, and then we just built the house and so forth and so on. Now, especially here in the desert, if you have like a, like a berm of dirt somewhere, it's okay. The water won't go through it. But if you have like, let's say, just even, you, let, you put a finger hole in that berm of dirt. When the water runs, what's going to happen? Well, it's going to go through that finger hole. But guess, it doesn't stay a finger hole, does it? It will eventually take down the entire house. And many times the things that creep up in our life are these small, it's just a piece of fruit. I don't see what's wrong with eating it. Well, you know, I, well, wait a minute. We must realize that that is a great competitor against serving God. Now, book of Acts. I want to I use this saying over and over. So, uh, as a main text, I want us to read that. Acts chapter 2, verse 16. Again, if we are not practicing the Word of God, if we do not have a relationship with the Word of God, if we do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we may know all the teachings, but when it actually comes to the test, we will not know how to implement it. So here we see, and many at this time this was the Feast of Pentecost, There was Jews from all over the world. Some were converted Jews. I mean, they were once Gentiles. And so they actually went through the whole test of knowing what it is to be a Jew. They they know all the things that God was supposed to be doing. And they came from all over the world for what reason? To worship God. To see Him move. But then on the day of Pentecost, God moves. And what do they say? What is this? And not only what is this, but some of them began to make fun. Oh, look at those drunks. They're doing... And some of them began to accuse. Some of them began to blame. Now, what I want us to do is what this book says, is I want us to say, oh, recognize the day of Pentecost in your life when God is moving and you're going to hear voices come up to accuse you, 
blame you. It's not God. But this is what they say in verse 15. For these are not drunk. Peter stands up, giving them an explanation. For these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing that it is the third hour of the day. But this is that which the prophet Joel had spoken about. And I think many times in our lives, we do not see the this that is going on in our life is that which Jesus was talking about. And it's like, man, I don't see that, and I don't see... And we we understand the facts, but when it comes to the test, we give the wrong answer. Because we have not become familiar or in a relationship to practice the Word. Okay, now, let's turn over to the book of John. We must learn to hate our own lives and realize and come to practice God's Word, but we have to first come to recognize the Word of God moving in our life. Now, this is the book of the Gospel of John, chapter 21. Jesus now is, has gone to the cross, He's been crucified, and He's resurrected. How would you appear as the resurrected God who just destroyed death hell and the grave, who's coming back to all the people that had rejected him, who disbelieved. You've come back with all the power. You already had the, but now you have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. You've risen from the dead. How are you going to show your glory? Not like this. I would have come back and boom, thrown down lightning out of my fingers, or man, let me show you this, or I'll preach the I'll show. No, he's not doing that. And many times we're looking for things that God is not doing. And I need my mind changed. See, otherwise I'm looking for a God who's not, my, who's not really the God of the Bible. I'm looking for my God. See. So here we have, and I want us to begin to get a hold of the Holy Spirit in our lives to say, this is how Jesus works. Oh, and we, what we want to do is start filling up the little finger holes in the berm of dirt because they get wider and wider and pretty soon the whole hillside is taken out. Oh, it's just a little it's just a little pebble there. That little pebble will be, become a flood that you will not be able to stop. All right. Now, they're out fishing. Many of us are going to be out fishing when the Lord appears to us. And it, it is a, it's a, this is kind of a nice little story. Verse 4. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Now, at this point, there's just a man standing on the shore. They did not know it was Jesus. All right? Now, again, you've just suffered for the penalties of sin. You've just been brutalized beyond human capability. You've been... The, the emotional stress of having to take on the unbelievable we cannot even fathom what he went through and he comes back and they don't even know it's the Lord and he's not really here to like wham this is who I am I've just let me tell you here not like that at all they, so at this point they're out fishing there's a man standing on the shore it's Jesus they don't know it but they're going to come to know it but how do they come to know it now I'm getting ahead of myself Let's do this. And then Jesus says unto them, Children, have you any, any, have you have, do you have any meat? Now, do you think he's being sarcastic? Maybe giving a little jab. You know, it, it could be because he knows full well they've been fishing all night and they haven't got anything. Paul was a little bit like that. Sometimes a little sarcastic, if you would. You might know somebody like that. He might bother you. Well, you know. He knows, but do you know? Do you have any meat? Do you have any meat? No. And he said unto them, Cast your net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. Wow. Now, that's a ridiculous statement. If Jesus was going to come in your life, what would he tell you to do? I want you to call down fire. I want you to make a million die. I want you to do this. But it's in these little things that we have not come to know Him in, we miss the tremendous move of God. And just like the five thousand lessons, we don't come to know Him anymore. 
They could have just said, oh, that idiot on the shore, we've been fishing all night. What does he know? We're not doing this. I know they would have missed the entire move of God on something so simple. But something just like Moses. Take your shoes off. He turned aside to see the burning bush. There's something in us that says, oh, cast your net on the right side. And they did something. They cast their net. And now there was such a multitude of fish they couldn't draw it in. Therefore, the disciple who Jesus loved says unto Peter, It's the Lord. How does John know? I'm guessing it's John. It seems to be he wrote the book, and so he claims to be the one that loves Jesus the best. Now, see, if I wrote the book and said that, you'd think, But see, because we don't understand this is that. We don't understand what is going on in your life. The no fish, the guy on the shore, all your problems, the sarcastic. This is that. It's not what you think. No, it's not drunk. No, it's not his personal opinion. No, he's not a nut. Well, he might be a nut. All those things may be true, but it's this is that which is being fulfilled. It's just not being fulfilled the way you thought it was going to be fulfilled. He's not coming in the clouds of glory to exalt you. He's coming to have you exercise faith because it's faith that pleases God. And the the, the one who Jesus loved said, This is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard this, he girt his fisher's coat on. Why did he do that? Well, he's fishing naked. You know, John had to say that about Peter. And it's kind of silly. As I'm reading that, I'm just thinking like a natural guy. Now, if you're generally going to go swimming, you take your coat off. Because if you put your coat on, it'll be much harder. But there's something, he does something different here. Obviously, he probably knew he probably shouldn't have been fishing naked. But nevertheless, that's, that's a whole other message. That's not a whole other message in that. <laughs> and he girded his coat on and cast himself into the sea. Why? What made him believe that that was Jesus. What great work just took place? They catch fish all the time. Sometimes they throw it here. Sometimes they throw it there. Something they recognize in the way this man worked that was the same way Jesus had worked with them yesterday, well, maybe four or five days ago, and for three years they got to know him. How was Jesus going to be revealed to them? And again, the story just goes on in these basic, simple things. And the other disciples came a little little while later because they had a lot of fish. Verse 9. And as soon as they come to the land, they saw fires of coal there and the fish laid on them with bread. Now, as I read that, did Jesus need them to catch 153 fish? No. And I think someone was saying it here today in, in the worship. Jesus doesn't need us to do anything. But it seems like He works in us as we do things. It's not for Him that we do it. It's for us that we do it to glorify Him. He doesn't need the fish. And we can say, oh, well, He doesn't need it. And we would have missed Him again. Oh, He doesn't need it. If it's God, He'll just have the fish there. No. There's something that's working in you. So the fish, Jesus already had the fish. He didn't need their fish. And many times in our life, there's all this stuff that seems to be going on that we know is worthless. The Bible makes it very clear. It's all vanity and vexation of spirit. There's things that are just going to burn. You came into this world naked, you're going out naked. But if you're going fishing, don't fish naked. (laughs) Go in and out, okay. But anyway. He doesn't need all of these things, but it's going to be in these things that He's going to reveal Himself. And if we don't do the things that seem to be, if we're not filling up that one little hole in the dike there, if if we don't realize this is that, we miss the rest of God's blessing and we wonder, how come it's not happening? Because we simply did not practice the Word. Not in a legalistic sense, which I guess would be okay, but as a relationship sense. This is what oh this is what ohms mean and amps mean. Oh, I understand that. Not how many amps does it take to oh fifty. Ching got it. No. I need to have a relationship. And what brought them to realize this was the Lord, he was acting the same way the Lord had been acting. He'd been doing the same thing. He didn't have to do, call down fire from heaven. What does he do? He has breakfast with them. 
And many times the great, their whole life has been shattered three, three and a half years. They're probably now alienated from their families. They're probably not allowed in the synagogues. They're wanted men. Their life is a shambles. And now Jesus has resurrected from the dead this great and glorious power of God. The same power says that raised Jesus from the dead will raise you also. The Almighty God raises Him from the dead. And the great glory of the resurrection ends up humbly having breakfast on the beach. Do you recognize that Jesus? No, that one. I was up. No, that's the one He wants us to know. See, that's the one that I miss. That's the one the Pharisees miss. When He comes, He's going to smash those Romans. When He comes, He's going to do this. When He comes, He's going to come meek and lowly. When He's going to come, He's going to shake your life to the foundation. He's going to come and shake your life that you realize that my life is absolutely worthless. I am a full of sin. I am sin. I'm darkness. And everything that is in my life, I must cast away to know Him. And I must now begin to hate my life. Now, this is something that we just don't get. We, we kind of, yes, I know that. But in reality, oh yeah, I hate my life, but... I really don't understand that God wants to meet me in all those things that don't matter. He doesn't need your fish. He doesn't need you to... And then we're going to talk about some of those things. Because I think many times we don't realize that we have a great work to do in Christ. There's a great vision that's set before us. And just through the course of the week and times, I begin to think, you know, a lot of people say, what is the vision? What is your vision? I believe the vision needs to be understood so that we can, those that run it, can read it and say, yeah, that's what I want. I think when Jesus prayed, He said, let them be one, even as we are one. I believe God is looking at, as we sing, I'm going to digress a little bit. We sang that, Not our eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the powerful song. Very rarely reminds me of God, though. Did you know that? What, you know what it reminds me of? The Civil War. I was a Civil War buff. Guess what side I was rooting for? Yeah, I never took the right side. Anyway, the thousand camps are burning. And I began to think about that as we were worshiping the Lord, and I thought, I get these nostalgic thoughts. You ever get nostalgic thoughts? Beware of them. They only make you feel good. Now, feeling good can be good as long as you don't go feel too good. Okay? Now I understand. See, I thought, oh, wow, isn't that wonderful? And then I began to think of, oh, look at in Wickenburg, all the campfires that are worshiping God. And I thought, you know, that, that's probably a good thing. But that's not what won the war. What won the war was the thousands of waves upon waves. Do you know that more people die, more Americans died in the Civil War than in all American wars combined? When there was machine guns and tanks more died in the Civil War. My goodness. But you know what won that war? They loved their, not their life to the death. Oh yeah, a thousand campfires. No, we're all worshiping differently. That maybe has its place. But what's going to get the work done is they had a mind to work. They lay their lives aside. and They say, you know what? We have a great work to do. So I could have got caught up in the old, oh, wow, this is wonderful. You know, because I'd like, wouldn't it just be nice to have no values? I mean, just think about how easy it would be to serve God if everything you did was okay. I used to serve one like that. Did you serve one like that? Maybe you still got one in your, you know, in, in your backpack. Sometimes we keep some idols around. You know, we kind of look back and, you know, there's some stuff that, you know, hangs on in our lives. And I was like, why is serving God so tough? Serving God is not tough. Denying yourself is tough. See, serving God is easy. What made it tough was sin. Now, Jesus has answered the, 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 the question about sin. He's forgiven us all our sins. But now He's saying, will you walk with Me? Will you cast your net on the other side of the boat? When it doesn't seem to matter. I mean, really, throwing it on this side and on that. Does it really matter? Does it really matter? Yes. yes. But to you, does it? No. Matter of fact, you think it's a ridiculous statement. Especially if you don't know it's the Lord. See, now they're going to come to a place here that when they know it's the Lord, they're, going to, they're not going to ask a question, which many of us ask because we know full well who's asking the question. Are we following this? Yes. Okay, I hope so. 
All right, where are we here? Okay. So Jesus didn't need their fish. He doesn't need you to dress a certain way. This is that. See? This is that. He doesn't care if you have tattoos or ear piercings or anything. This is that. Oh, do you hear that there's a murmuring going on? See, Jesus does have some opinions. Did you know that? Jesus had some opinions about how a pine tree would look like. Do you know why a pine tree looks like a pine tree? Because that's the way Jesus wanted it to look like. Do you know how come dogs look like dogs? That's the way Jesus wanted it to look like. Do you know why the church is the way that it is? That's the way Jesus wanted it to look like. See, so having an opinion isn't a bad thing. As a matter of fact, we're supposed to have opinions. Do you know that? It's about the only thing we can really give to the Lord. Because nobody else wants it. You know. And that's, that's the sacrifice. That's the sacrifice that we have to make. So, there's already fish there. Didn't need our fish. Then why are we doing all this? If it really doesn't matter, if you're saved, what are we doing? Well, then I would say, if, if we're not hearing the, the vision, see, if, we're not, if you don't respond to the call, there's two things, that, a couple things that could be going on. One, you're not called. See, the 5,000, I don't know if they were called or not, they stopped walking with the Lord. So either, if, if the things that you're hearing don't make sense, you're not called. Or, we could just be hard-hearted. Now, those are the things you have to decide. But those that would hear the call, you don't have to say too much. Drop your nets and follow me. See, this, it was the same thing that Peter, that three and, three and a half years ago, what did he start talking to him about? Their stuff. Their real life. Not, I am the Messiah. If you have read in the book of Isaiah, this is the, what it says. Uh, Isaiah 53, 22. Look at the... No. Drop your nets and follow me. What, what kind of a message is that? If you have were called, you'd hear it. Three and a half years later, their life seems to be gone. Throw your nets on the right side of the boat. Again, something takes place. That out of this simple little dink, their lives were changed. Now, if they would have said that, maybe gospel would have stopped there. Maybe something else, don't know what would have happened. But sure, their lives would have never moved into the fullness that God had for them. Okay, so the vision. I believe the church is to be a church of unity and of oneness. I believe, I'm just saying what I believe, so that you can understand when I'm speaking, you know where I'm coming from. I believe that unity and oneness is an all-inclusive thing. I don't think it's totally cosmic. Like, oh, well, we're just one in the Lord and we just kind of do our own thing and somehow He's going to bring it together. Don't believe that's in this earth what He's talking about. When we see they were in unity in Nehemiah, they got the work done because they all acted, thought, and did the same thing. I believe when you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father because in every aspect of their life, they were in total agreement. I think they were in total agreement spiritually, emotionally, and physically. It wasn't like, okay, yeah, well, we agree, but we have some... I believe in the church. I'm just going to speak here. I may be totally out of line. I, I, but if, if, if there's not these things that can... If I don't... Man, look at me. I'm really lifting weights. No, you're not. You're acting like you're lifting weights, but that nothing's happening. But when the, I realize there's a sacrifice, where there's no pain, no gain. How many, people know, how many people know that statement? How many people do not practice it? This is more than I can handle. Good. Put another five pounds on. Ah. Oh, pretty soon. Wow. Yeah, I'm doing this pretty good. And then another. There's got to be some like, wait a minute. Oh. That's the Lord. I believe we're to be in unity by laying down our lives and saying, oh, this is, this is the right thing. I believe we're supposed to be politically in unity. See, Jesus, Jesus laid out a political thing when he talked to the Romans. Some of the, 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 the Jews came to Jesus and said, now you're going to take out these heathen, those, those bloody Caesar men. Not what we're doing. He said, this is my political agenda. Paul had to go out and lay it out too because there seems to be a problem. Make sure you pay your taxes. I don't like that one. 
I really don't like that. I, I mean, I was, I was, from, from my youth up, I was a rebellious child, and then I got worse and worse. I was tear-gassed in Washington, D.C. I demonstrated against the government. I, I ran to Canada. I did everything possible to be anti-government. And then God gets, saves me, and I say, pay your taxes. What, are you out of your mind? I don't do that. I want you to pay your taxes. But Jesus, those taxes are going to crucify you. Pay your taxes. I don't like that statement. But do you know what I preach? Pay your taxes. And if you want to pay as little as possible, see Christy. Okay. There are certain things that I don't agree with in God. We just sang a... People got all worked up and we think slavery is a bad thing. God does not have that position. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, He made provisions to be slaves. I don't like that. You're wrong, Victor Bedoyan. Change your mind. Some people say, man, that's a bloody book. I don't you see what God did in the Old Testament. He wiped out people. That's God. I will change. Well, wait a minute. I don't like those things. I know you don't like them. Guess who's wrong? You must say, Lord, I am wrong. Change me. See, and those are not like, well, praise God, we believe in tongues or we don't believe in tongues. We believe in pre-rapture, post-rapture. These are real things that have no, they really don't matter at all. He doesn't need your fish. But they will work in you something that will come to make you know Jesus like no other way. It's through the. It's coming to what Paul talks about, that I might know him in the sorrow of his suffering. Oh, when Jesus could have, how could Jesus have known God when it pleased God to bruise his own son? How could God do that? When everything is crying within a human body, oh, please let me go, I don't want to. He yielded to that. And by submitting to that, he's been raised from the dead and given a name above every name. I believe the church has not been glorified as Jesus prayed for because we have not abdicated our lives as Jesus has instructed us to. So we remain a child when it comes to pain. When it, We love my own life more than the will of God. I value my opinions, my political statements, my manner of life, my things, what I want to do more than serving Him. And until I put an axe to the root of that tree, Jesus is not the Lord of my life. Where sins are forgiven. But like I talked about a couple of weeks ago, we just remain like a little Johnny playing in the sandbox. Little Johnny's playing in the sandbox. He's driving all the semi-trucks and the bulldozers, but he's really not driving the semi-trucks. And we're playing church. God doesn't want us playing church. He wants us bruising Satan under our feet. And the way that I bruise Satan under my feet is like Job did. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job's body is bleeding, is pouring out with sore boils. He's cutting himself open with broken pieces of pottery. So great is the pain. What is he talking about, though he, I tr- though he slay me, yet will I trust him? Nobody's going to boss me around him. Then go live your own life! But if God has got a purpose and he is bigger than the greatest fear or the greatest ambition you have of life, then let me sell all. Let me sell all to follow Him. Okay. So when I say unity, I'm talking about, in my mind, unity. Well, that can never be... I know. I know. It's impossible. It's totally impossible. Jesus seemed to have it with the Father. And Jesus prayed that we would have it with Him and with one another. How many people have it with Jesus? But see, Jesus had that with the Father up there. That wasn't the great test. Remember when He became the Son of Man? He refers to Himself more of the Son of Man than the Son of God. Because while He was here on this earth in flesh, He was tested as the Son of Man. But He was here in this earth. He agreed with the Father. When it cost Him... His own life. He could have turned those stones into bread. He didn't have to know what hunger went, but he willingly chose to to feel the pains of hunger. He willingly chose to suffer some things he didn't have to suffer for the will of God. Have we yet embraced that suffering, knowing that for the joy that is set before us, we endure some suffering? Ta-da! 
there has got to be a joy that goes beyond understanding. If not, we pursue our own lives and just hope God blesses it and everything works out pretty good and oh yeah, tum-de-dum-de-dum and everything is nice and we kind of live like, we live a pretty good life. You know why? We live a pretty good life. I think we live a really good life. One of the sad things is it's just too nice. It's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to like, oh well, you know, I mean, we go to church and we, we do our duty and I think we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I think right now we're supposed to be bruising Satan under our feet. Well, how's that going to happen? Gonna fl- no, he's going to come in a way that you're going to say, I don't even know who that man is on the shore. And slowly, as we remember what he has taught us, this is that. Okay, fill in that dirt because if it rains, it's okay. Got those things. And then as the word comes to us, we realize, oh, this is that that he's talking about. David, I want you to go watch those sheep. That was a big this is that in his life. Because he was just anointed king by the prophet of Israel. This wasn't some flaky thing. There's always going to be a this is that in your life. And, but it's not going to be the King James testing. It's going to be the real stuff. See, it didn't say um, over here, and um, make sure you unplug the uh, router and put in the soundboard. Do you know why it didn't say that? Because that's not what they were dealing with. They were dealing with this stuff. Now, God is going to deal with you with your stuff. Did you feel the rousing amen? No. Because we hold it near and dear. Okay. So, and after, after Jesus is already cooking fish, and the breakfast is all ready, remember the great glorious resurrection is brought down to something as simple and as trivial. Have you ever had, have you, have you, how many people have ever eaten on the beach? Anybody ever eat on the beach? What usually happens? You know, you're, you're, it's a terrible time. You get sand in your food. I remember one time, and this is why I never, I mean, I, I remember one time, I don't remember exactly when. I remember to this day, I was very, very young. I mean, I'm, I'm very young. And there was like, there was a lobster cookout. I mean, back when lobster tails were like lobster with lobster tails. And all I can remember of eating that lobster was just all full of sand because as a little kid, you know, you come out of, out of the, in your hand, you're crying, I just never liked lobster after that. So here, you know, Jesus could have like, could have had it, you know, took him out to Burger King or something like that. Levi's all-you-can-eat blintzes. But, you know, I, I can think of hard, one of the worst places to have breakfast is on the beach. Sand everywhere. They're they're salty. They just come out of the ocean. Could you find a better place to serve God? Oh yeah, yeah. But guess who's wrong? Yeah, it just doesn't seem like it. See, God's not really interested in your plan. He's got a plan of His own. So anyway, breakfast on the beach, and Jesus says in verse ten, "Bring me the fish that you caught." Doesn't need them, does he? Would you bring me your life? Bring me your toils. Bring me the things you've been working on. And Simon went up and drew the, drew the net to the land. It was Okay, there's 153 fish, but the net didn't break. Okay, verse 20, 12. Jesus says unto them. What does Jesus say unto them? Again, this is the resurrection. He's now going to be ready to send out these men into all the world to preach the gospel. Doesn't remind them, man, I died for the sins of the world. He's going to come in a form that he wants to know, do you know him? Will you walk with Him? Do you always have to have the flash and the thus saith the Lord? And, or can you have a relationship with that loves Him more than that? And Jesus is going to say, out of all the things Jesus could possibly say after being raised from the dead, yeah, that's what He says, let's eat. Now again, I think there's a twofold purpose on that. You're going to know, and this is just, again, this is me personally, um, I think, Paul had a lot of personal things to say in the Scripture. Matter of fact, he writes a whole chapter and says, that's just my personal thinking. So you have to decide whether that's the Word of God or not. Selah. He says, let's eat. So I think there's a couple things with let's eat. First off, we all like to eat. There's something about eating that will just draw us. It's soothing to our soul. But most of the time when Jesus was doing stuff, there was always food available. 
They got to know Jesus at the potluck. They got to know Jesus breaking the communion. They got to know Jesus turning the water into wine. They got to know Jesus feeding the 5,000, the 3,000. They got to know Jesus in all these ways. And they began to recognize the voice of the Lord and the manners of the Lord. They no longer needed the flash, the Isaiah 53, 22. They just needed to know Him. And sometimes we don't come to know Him because in the berm... We've let too many holes in there and the the restraints are washed out. How did that happen? It was just a little hole. Wouldn't it be nice if it just stayed a little hole? Little holes don't stay little holes when the rains come. The whole house is washed away, the Bible says, if we don't practice the Word. Now, this 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 is the cute part. And none of the disciples durst ask Him, Who are you? Why? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus wasn't wearing a Jesus, I'm a Jesus t-shirt, I'm the resurrected Lord. He just was acting like Jesus. He wasn't doing any miracle. Wasn't healing the sick, raising the dead. They got to know Him. And I think it's a great place to be that they all knew who it was at that time. But I've noticed over the course of time, a lot of people say, well, is that the Lord? I think many times we're asking that because we know who it really is. Wouldn't it be nice to, instead of mouthing off, is just saying, that's the Lord. I'm not going to ask any questions. Let's sit down and have breakfast. Yeah, it'll be sandy. But that's the way he does things. You know, I was thinking about that. I said something to my wife today. What did I say? Oh, I walked in. My wife has this habit. Um, Almost every morning, she gets a cup of coffee, and she then reads in bed. And so today, I don't have that habit. <laughs> My habit is to get her out of bed. And with 38 years being married, and uh, so as a romantic husband, I walk into the, into the bedroom, she's sitting there, and I said, aren't you out of bed yet? And I began to think, as my mind goes on things like that, and I began to think of all the things that go on. You know, there's some things that I do simply because Christy likes them. Is that the Lord? Yes, I'm going to say yes. Because the Bible says sometimes you have to do that. And there's some things that Christy does. There should be more of them. There's some things that... <laughs> Why are you laughing at things? You don't even know what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm honest. And there's, <laughs> there's some things that Christy does because I like them. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, I think that's a good, that's a good thing for a relationship. Oh, they're only doing it because they like you. Thank you. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Actually, oh, we're just doing because we're friends. That's what the Bible indicates friendship is all about. You're, you're, you're loyal because you are friends. And your friendship is based on your loyalty. There's nothing. Oh, you're just doing it because you're kissing up. What kind of a thing is that to say? You know, the wife comes, oh, you're just kissing up. <laughs> Come on, guys, let's recognize the Lord. Quit asking, who is that? They would have blown the whole moment. They would have blown the whole moment. And we've blown moments like that. See, I, I used to be maybe a few years ago. Yeah, probably quite a few years ago. What, you're not out of bed? I don't have to get out of bed. No, you know, Chris doesn't act like that usually. But yeah, I don't have to get out of bed. I, want you, I don't want you to drink your coffee. I said it's not. Boom! And we would miss the whole moment. Sometimes we miss those moments simply because we feel like we've got to prove it's the Lord. Jesus is not about proving anything. He's about, do you know me? And what, one of the best ways to get to know Jesus is to eat sandy fish. Seems to, seems to work for him. And a lot of times, you're going to have sandy fish in your life. And you could, you could eat at a better restaurant. You could get a better deal. You could have a dinner. You could, why doesn't he? He's, you're absolutely right. But this is what he wants. And this is what he's doing. Do you love me? Well, then let's sit down and have some sandy fish. Well, then why did we have to catch all? I don't know why we had to catch all the fish and why we had to be out there all night. That seemed to be part of it. Because he doesn't show up, you know, the morning before and say, don't go fishing, guys, I already got the fish, great breakfast here. None of that goes on. And none of them dare ask, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. It's time for us to rise up as people and say, I recognize the Lord. I'm going to do what he asks. Just simply that. Now, at this point, it's probably a fairly... Anyway...
Jesus then comes and takes the bread and gives it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus shows himself to his disciples after he's risen from the dead. Pretty unmomentous appearance for being raised from the dead. And then the guy that goes on to the rest of the story of Peter. Again, Peter, will you follow me? Will you lay down your life? I believe many times we, we miss the this is that in our life. And we never, allow, we never allow that intimate relationship of walking with God and then actually being overtaken by the vision of God. Jim, used to, Jim was kind of a funny guy too. My father's all were kind of funny. But that's maybe because I was a funny child. But he said the vision of God is like a little bird. And said, at first you have to feed this thing. It's, it's very ginger and ten, tender, you know. But then it grows up to be like this giant ostrich. And it, boom, eats you. It's kind of a funny analogy. But see, the vision, you have to be careful with it for a while. It's like, well, I don't know. Like in our marriage, it's like, I don't know, why, I'd have to, I don't know what I'd have to do for my wife to leave me. Because I've tried just about everything. <laughs> but she's learned now she doesn't pay too much attention to me sometimes. And... Uh, Probably a good thing. And sometimes she knows when to pay attention. She knows when to lead them, when to fold them, when to hold them. <laughs> uh, yeah, when to run. That's right. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I got off on that, but anyway, don't get divorced. That's a good thing. Hang in there. It's a good thing to be hanging in there. Because I was thinking about this. You know, how come sometimes we get just a little tired of following the Lord when it seems like nothing is happening? I mean, these are men that were used to seeing Jesus raise people from the dead preaching to thousands. They saw him crucified. They, they, they saw him transfigured. What didn't they see? And now he's going to come after being resurrected from the dead. You would expect the great new improved. Boom. Let's sit down and have some things. I'm going to tell you, Peter, this is what you're going to do. Sometimes it seems like it can seem a little boring. Life can seem a little boring. Get over it. Because sometimes we're supposed to be just hanging in, I don't even like the word hanging in there, being faithful and practicing what God has asked us to practice till He decides to do what He wants to do. And maybe what He wants to do this morning is have breakfast on the beach. There's no stirring in the soul in that, is there? See, that's why we don't go, see, that's a stirring of the Spirit. It's not, we like to stir the soul. And tomorrow, I want to tell you, we're going to take a collection of about $1,000 and we're going to reach the streets of Wickenburg and if you give, it's going to be given. Oh, yes! You can get people hyped up on that. I don't want you hyped up. I want you in love. And what you're going to find out, Do you love me? Great song. She answers, Yes, of course I love you. Every morning for the last 38 years, you come in and say, Isn't it time to get out of bed? Who would put up with that if they didn't love you? Who would tell you to comb your hair? Who would say, Don't go out of the house like that? Who would put up with, Of course I love you. And after that great build-up, I say, I love you. It doesn't like, well, of course I love you, hon. Don't you see this wonderful negligee I wear and all this wonderful stuff? And that, that stuff kind of, you know. Anyway. I mean, there's a plate. Anyway, okay, let's. That's, we don't. That, who's mumbling back there? <laughs> okay, it's Larry. <laughs> all right. I think on that note, we better move right along. There is this place of learning to walk with God. God, the Bible says, godliness with contentment is great gain. If we're waiting for God to do these great things before we know Him, we're never going to know Him. He's coming in the. He's coming when you've been toiling all night. He's going to come and sell you the simplest things. He's going to come in, in the this is that. And in the reality, at some point, I'm going to have to say. I'm not going to ask if that's the Lord or what scripture that is. I know, I know that's the Lord. Let's just have breakfast, guys. Okay, how's this? This is really good. <laughs> Another place they said nobody asked Jesus a question because they were scared out of their brains. <laughs> they didn't want anyone. There's a good place for that. And then they went on to turn the world upside down because they had come to the decision of my life means nothing. Now, it's easy to say my life means nothing until it actually starts touching real areas. Which mean nothing in this world. See, 
But when, I, when, the, when, the, when God starts telling us our political values, that touches me. When God starts telling me not to be lazy, that touches me. When God starts telling me to watch my father's sheep, that touches me. Now, so far, none of that stuff touched us yet. But there are things that God wants to touch you because we are called to walk in unity and uphold the Father's standard. And if, unless I do that, I never come to know Him. I'd have a no walk with Him. And I find that I want to practice the Word, but in reality, I do not. And the little hole in the berm, when the rain comes, gets bigger. And pretty soon... The Word of God, the church, my Father's direction, instead of being a little wrong, is now, oh, that's ridiculous. And at some point in your lives, all the children go through, how come I can't wear what I want to wear? How come I can't go to bed when I want to go to bed? How come we have to do this in the church? How come we all have to... You don't have to. There's a breakfast. Jesus is saying, come and dine. Would you like to come and dine? It's full of sand. You got some really bad company. And at the end of it, you're going to give your life. But if you if you ha- if you believe that's God, let's throw it all in. And say, you know what? I'm willing. But remember, it's those that sell it all that took the whole gamble. What if it doesn't work? I had nothing to lose anyway. I came into the world naked. I'm going out naked. And having the stuff here right now bothers me. <laughs> I'd, Lord, let it not work. But let it be for your glory. Let my life be a sacrifice. Let me start hearing your voice. Not just hearing it, but actually make it practical. That says, oh, this is what my Father wants. And what happens is I start hearing my Father's voice and start doing it. Guess what happens? It gets easier to hear that and I start understanding why. But when I get, I'm going to wear what I want to wear and I'll, I'll show you. Pretty soon, you get so hard that you don't hear it or you only hear it in the way like Cain heard it as an antagonistic voice that was infringing on his life. What I would s- submit to us is love God. Don O'Connor would say this. I don't quite understand what it means, but it kind of says, love God and do what you want. See? Well, now, what Jesus will recommend is love God and lay down your life. Give up your life for the, glo- for the glory of God and the fulfillment of His vision and purpose in your life. Amen? All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let your will be done. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.